Welcome to the More Tea Vicar podcast with B&A Church in Bristol and, and with Wayne Massey and James Stevenson. More Tea Vicar is a podcast in which uh, we talk about culture, theology and life, essentially what's just popped into our heads from what's happening in the world <laughs> around us and how we think that applies to us as followers of Jesus, how it can help you follow Jesus or how it could help you discover Jesus. This week, I want to talk about, well, we want to talk about letting your yes be yes and your nose be no, um, and being clear in what you have to say. James, tell us uh, your story, which calls the in to today's podcast. So yesterday I got in the car and turned on the radio, Radio 5 Live, and I was surprised that I'd managed to turn it on just at the point at which Joe Biden was about to give his first address as the president of the United States of America. And I turned it off a few minutes later, not because I didn't want to listen to what he said, but I found myself a little bit confused by something that he'd said. Now, early on, he said these words. So now on this hallowed ground where just a few days ago, violence sought to shake the capital's very foundations, we come together as one nation under God, indivisible, to carry out the peaceful transfer of power as we have for more than two centuries. Now, what I couldn't work out was whether indivisible, the adjective, was ascribed to God or to one nation or even to both. And what it made me realise was that having had a president of the United States of America who has had a more than casual relationship with the truth, shall we say, over the last few years, um, that um, we might now have a president who was uh, using language that would allow for there to be misunderstanding and therefore potentially mistrust further down the line. So was he saying that this is a nation that's indivisible or that God is indivisible? And there are implications to both of those. OK, brilliant. And let, let's just say we, we, this is not an anti-Joe Biden or okay. anti the uh, president of the United States of America podcast. Uh, nor, in a sense, you, you talked about um, Donald Trump. Somebody analysed Trump's um, public utterances of the duration of his presidency and found that he 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 told a lie twenty times a day. And um, but it's not an anti that. I mean, we also have, uh, and this isn't an anti this person statement I'm about to make. But somebody has somebody a writer pointed out that Boris Johnson wants to make people happy. That's one of the ways Boris Johnson is wired. And so so when he comes to talk to us um, about coronavirus, he often uses the phrase "with a fair wind." after which he will generally overpromise, And it might not be that Boris um, no, he realises he's doing that, but he wants us, he wants to share good news. He wants us to be all right. But sometimes he uses language which then further trips him up and us further down the line. So that's our in, is how we use language in a way um, that creates clarity as opposed to the, the opportunity for misunderstanding. Yes, and we have to acknowledge that anyone in leadership in any format, whether that is as a parent, um, uh, or someone in the workplace or in a sporting or musical environment um, can be equally as guilty of doing the same thing. So I, I put my hand on my heart and say, I've, I am guilty of this. I have used loose language um, that has meant that my yes has not been yes and my no has not been no. And in so doing have fostered misunderstanding and therefore built mistrust. Now, a way into to seeing how this can work is something else Mr. Biden said. 
Um, so his that his day, most American organization days are this, but his day was infused with Christian religious imagery. He went to mass in the morning. Uh, Garth Brooks sung Amazing Grace. Uh, he talked about God. And then uh, we don't know whether there's God or the nation was indivisible. He quoted from Psalm 30, uh, weeping may come in the night, but joy in the morning. And um, he also quoted uh, Augustine, who is one of the early church fathers and um, a great writer and, um, and bishop of the early church. And in it, he talked about um, Biden referred to um, a people being identified by the common objects of their love. And when Augustine was writing, he used the example of Rome and how for the for the people of Rome, the common object of their love was the Republic. And so therefore that determined how they would live. And Augustine was saying that actually Augustine's one of his major points theologically is, is, is we will live for what we love and what we love will determine how we live. And so if you want to see what somebody loves, look at their life and look at how their their their, their life is ordered. Our loves order our life. Um, now, the problem that, that Biden has is, is his use of the term hallowed ground when you read that bit earlier on. So, so in America, the, the founding myth is, is the one of the nation and the greatness of the nation and, and the greatness of their democracy. You know, the, the kind of the, the, they, see, they see their nation as a city on a hill in terms of democratic terms, a city on a hill, again, being religious language. And so when he says hallowed, most Americans are thinking about that in terms of the capital and in terms of American democracy as they are being a building that's been set apart for the worship of God because the state capital not the so you know the, the capital building in Washington it's not the state capital forgive me hasn't been set apart as hallowed holy ground it's been set apart as the place where the American government does its business but 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 in America there is this um there is uh, a writer like Tim Keller might say an idolatry of democracy that infuses the idea of America and everything from the flag to how they go about their democracies with, with a religious fervor. That's what was going on in the Capitol building um, a week ago. And so, 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 so what happens is, is when you use religious language, um, those people, there were loads of people diving in on Twitter who would disagree with the idea of um, the religious fervor of America or the greatness of American democracy and would want us all to look to Jesus, who got very excited because he quoted Psalm 30 and he quoted St. Augustine. But at the same time, those people who think that the greatest thing in the world is American, American democracy also got very excited because he talked about our common loves and he talked about, you know, joy coming in the morning and hallowed ground. And that's where, that's where we, we got to it. This thing was, oh, it's really interesting. He's used language in such a way that a whole load of people can hear him and come to a very different conclusion. Yes. So they can think they can think, I agree with you. And then they look across at the person who's also saying the same thing. And they think, how can I agree with you, Joe Biden, when I know that I don't agree with you, person who voted for the other person? Um, so so and that's where we're driving with this sense of let your yes be yes and your no be no. And we see this a lot within the political sphere that people will reduce statements to the lowest common denominator possible in order to um, bring people together. And what's interesting for us as Christians is that the first time um, Jesus addresses um, people in a public setting that's recorded in the scriptures, um, we think is in Luke chapter four, when Jesus is at the synagogue in his hometown. This is his equivalent of his inauguration address. 
And actually, he is really very forthright in what he says. He essentially positions himself as the one who is the fulfillment of the prophets uttering about who the Messiah is going to be and what he's going to do. Um, and uh, and he, he says, having read Isaiah, he says, today, this is fulfilled in your hearing, essentially pointing to himself. But then he points the finger back at them and says, but you lot essentially aren't going to be able to accept me because um, uh, when a prophet comes to his own town, he's without honor. Um, and he tells some stories to to illustrate that from their history and they get very angry with him and try to kill him and he escapes but in that instance his yes we can see that his yes is yes and his his no is no he's very clear from the start about um who he is and who he's going to be uh, and uncomfortably so for himself and for other people around him now and, and there's and really interesting point to make here. Then there's a difference, therefore, then between um, between that and say parables. So, so somebody listening to us at this point might lean in and go, "But hold on a second! Didn't Jesus speak in parables, which which weren't always clear?" And actually, I think I would want to disagree with you there, which is Jesus is always very clear about who he is. Um, comes across in the Gospels all the time in his actions and in his words. Um, the parables are stories that he tells that paint a picture of the kingdom and the nature of the kingdom that calls people to lean in or lean out. And quite often when we use language in a vague way, it's not to do that. It's, it's, it's to create consensus. Mm. And the parables don't create consensus. You're either building your house on the rock or you're building your house on the sand. Uh, you're either good soil or you're all the other kinds of soil. You know, you're either wheat or your tares. Actually, if you think about the parables, you have to scratch your head to go what they mean. But actually, it's not a kind of not everybody, you know, not everybody can agree and go, oh, it's good to be a sheep or a goat. You know, you're either a sheep or you're a goat. And so actually, there's a sense, there's a clarity with how God communicates, um, especially in the person of Jesus, that causes us to have to make a decision. And that's the danger, I suppose, that, you know, if I was, <laughs> can you imagine, Wayne, have you got any advice for the new, for the 46th president of the United States of America? <laughs> so, yeah. And Joe Biden, I'd really like to hear from this middle-aged white guy in Bristol. I don't know how Joe Biden speaks. But my advice would be, um, don't use language to create a false consensus. Yeah. And that's actually, interestingly enough, a real challenge for so let's talk about it personally for a start. So personally, whenever I speak, am I seeking to be clear on what I'm saying to somebody? And am I willing to seek clarification that they have heard what I have wanted them to hear? So in post-modernity, you know, the, the philosophical understanding is that the person responsible for understanding is the person who received. But we, we don't believe that. We believe in a God who speaks. And we believe that actually the responsibility for an understanding of what is being said is with the person who transmits. And so therefore, when I speak to somebody, do I take the time to check that they have heard what I have said and what I meant? Yeah. I remember I had this I had this once where I used to work in a place where um if you began a sentence with I am so sorry and then you said something it meant it meant that you were actually saying I don't quite understand what you did could you please explain yourself to me and uh, so I tried that in another setting and the person said oh thank you for your apology <laughs> <laughs> and they didn't hear the fact that actually I'd asked them a question about what they thought they'd, they'd been up to. Yeah. And so actually you've got you, you to make sure that when you speak, you speak with clarity. But also when we listen, do we reflect back and go, I heard you say this. Is that right? Yeah. 
and so I think the, the, the rubber hits the road for us here as, as Christians. So if we go back to his statement about um, whether the nation is indivisible or whether the God is indivisible, um, he, we know that the United States of America is divisible. We know from human history that that is possible and we, we can see that it was possible in its past. Uh, but as Christians, to say that God is indivisible is to make a statement that actually we believe that he is three and yet one. And it is a distinctively Christian statement um, to say that God is indivisible. It, um, it, uh, so I, I think there's, a, there's an important um uh thing for us to grasp here as we as we think about how we engage with people in our places of work and um or our friendships our families as we talk about the christian faith that actually are are we talking about god revealed to us in jesus christ uh, or or and and the one in whom we place our hope or um, are we often leaning towards other things in which we place our hope that actually don't match up to who God is and, and uh, who, who are we offering out to people? Um, so I, I know it sounds a slightly obscure thing to pick up on in his in his speech, but actually the distinctive between God being the one who is indivisible and the nation being the one in, who's indivisible is something that speaks into how we form hope in ourselves and how we allow God to form hope in us and how we offer that hope out to others. I, I think don't beat yourself up too much, James. I don't think it's an odd thing to pick up. I think you picked up on it because as an outsider looking in, which is quite often the best way to see what's wrong or what needs to be challenged somewhere is, is you heard somebody trying to dance around the idol of their culture mm. and using language in such a way that a whole host of people would be able to go, yeah, yeah, brilliant, without actually realising what it might mean and and therefore we need to listen to what you know what would the outsider say to us about our culture yeah yeah so i think that was more t vicar um uh, episode whatever from um i think it's 51 this one um uh from uh from being a church in bristol um on on the 21st of january we hope that you've enjoyed listening and we hope that it helps you to think about what it means to follow jesus and to understand the culture in which we live and understand who God is. Thanks for listening.